Are we live? Are we rolling? We are live. We are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hello and welcome, everyone. Good evening, Mike. Hello. This is the Tangent Podcast. Tangents with Colleen and Mike. What's up, Mike? How are you? How are you doing, Colleen? <sighs> Almost good. How was that? Was that professional? Fresh out of the <laughs> oven. CEO entrepreneur, born a year past 94, co-founded Themesburg in 2019, has outdone Mike at the guitar. Aside from work, he has visited almost all the countries in Europe and the really, really big one in Asia. Everybody welcome Zoli. Woo! What is up, my dude? Hey guys, thanks for the invitation. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, glad glad you made it. Thanks we for finally being got here. You over. It was about time. I've heard so much about you only from Mike's tales. It was about time. <laughs> yeah, praised you quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, man. I mean, lots of things happening lately. I mm-hmm. mean, with the company and all, we just moved in into Mishwara to a new uh, headquarters, oh, and sure. a lot of things happened. So yeah, <laughs> sweet dude. So tell us about that. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. All right. Uh, so what we do is that we uh, develop user interfaces and products for like developers, web developers and designers, and they just use those. And then, uh, you know, they give us money for that because it saves them time and we offer really good uh, design and so on. So we basically bring a lot of value into this industry, the web industry, and that's what we've been doing. So for almost three years, actually. Sweet. You guys have showed up quite a little bit uh, on uh, Hacker News and on Dev.2 and on a lot of other platforms. Yeah, um, it's actually Hacker News, Product Hunt. You know, these are places where you can showcase whatever you've done, and it's mostly in the tech space. Um, and we've been doing that uh, for a lot, and it's, it's kind of funny to see how things have changed compared to like two or three years ago when we launched something and nothing worked, you know? But because we kind of learned um, from experience and we became better, um, you know our launches and whatever we show, it's it's actually being appreciated by the comp by the uh, by the people, and we also launch a lot of open source projects. So you know developers listening to this podcast <laughs> are going to be happy about that. And you guys they, have a really cool Windows ninety five theme. Oh or is yeah, ninety eight, ninety five, ninety five. Yeah, and, and I have a pretty nice story about this actually. Please do tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I. Um, I was at a, a coffee house in Timishara and... Um, Which one? Um, garage. Garage? Garage Cafe. Which it, one's that one? It's in the Unir Square. I mean, it's... Oh, okay. Near the Unir yeah, Square, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of saw an image of uh, Windows 95 and said, hey, what do we do? We do user interfaces. All right. I think it would be very fun to like recreate the Windows 95 interface using, you know, web components like buttons and stuff like that. So I actually coded the whole thing, um, you know, in about three hours at that coffee house. And when I got home, um, I posted it on Hacker News. And this this was like at the very early days of Themes, where, I mean, it, it was actually our third product. It wasn't even a product. It was free. It was just, you know... It's like for fun. Just have it. Yeah. And it was actually my first post on Hacker News. I didn't even know how big of a thing it was. It, I, I mean, I just thought that, yeah, just let's just post it and get some traffic, get it out to the people. And, um, you know, I posted it there. Um, I went to the bathroom, you know, and when I get back, I opened the Google Analytics and I see like 400 people um, <laughs> oh, looking at the website. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, 
this is weird. I thought it was like a bug or something. I mean, we never went past 20 people at a time at that at that point. So, um, and I, I, I talked with my co-founder, with Robert, and I thought that, hey, I think some, something's wrong or something's happening, you know? <laughs> Hacker it, News is broken. Yeah, it was on the second place of Hacker News. It was crazy. Shit. And, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, the service crashed, obviously. Like we, oh, your servers? Yeah. Nice. We had like a $7 plan on Heroku. <laughs> and I don't know why it didn't man- manage 400 people at once. Yeah. yeah. So it just crashed. Need more dinos. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then we kind of did that. And th- that was like the first big thing that we did that, you know, had an impact. And at that point, you know, people kind of associated Themesburg with something fun and unique and mm-hmm, something okay. that made an impact. So that gave us this kind of courage in our personality. And starting from that, we kind of really try to do things differently. And we actually do them differently. Like we no longer even, um, you know, notice that because this is how we are. But, you know, people kind of ask us, well, how do you do that? I know it's just two or three years of working and evolving and, you know, we are what we are. You just said on your tracks, but can you explain what exactly you're doing? If any person is doing it? Because I, I, for one, have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So when you build a website as a developer or as a designer, um, you have all these components like buttons and alerts and navigation bars and stuff like that. And you don't want to, um, you know, have to recode them every time. Or right. if or if you're a developer and you're not a good designer, you may want to have some of these components and pages uh, done for you so you can build your project and your idea much faster. So that's what we do right now. Um, but, you know, in time and actually... In like a month, we're going to launch our first WordPress website as well. I think a lot of people oh, know what, yeah, yeah, uh, the first theme. So we are actually going to get into this whole web area. So not just for developers or designers. That's how we started, right? But right. we want to go bigger than that. Mm-hmm. But before you go on, what I want to know is what is the, um, the special personality trait that you put in, in, in these uh, themes? What makes you stand out and different? Right, because you said people associate you with this crazy, impact, bold, uh, funny, yeah. fun themes in a way. And you said it's just almost innate now. It's part of you. Yeah. It's your identity, right? You embrace that. Yeah. We are, um, I would say that we also have products that are enterprise. So we're not just fun, you know, like we did those fun projects mm-hmm. so that people could associate us with doing fun things, I, I suppose. Um, I know we we put a lot of care into our work, so we're very very perfectionist. So let me just explain what happens when we build like a page, right? When we design it, when we create something, um, we usually do research and strategy to see what's the demand on the market, and after that, um, we say, okay, I we think we should do I know twenty seven pages. We have to do these things, all right. And then Robert, who's the co-founder, the designer, he creates the first version and design. And then I take a look at it and I, I kind of give him feedback mostly when it comes to the user experience. So I say, okay, this button doesn't make sense. We have to put it out, add something else. And we do this like two or three times, you know, the feedback thing. And only then we launch it. And so people kind of really, and then we actually even, uh, um, you know, send it to the, to the others who have no idea what it's about. So we get like a feedback from a, you know, from a different uh, stand of point mm-hmm. and then we launch it. So others, the competitors, they want to get the product out as fast as possible. We mm-hmm. don't care about that because we want to get the best product out there. 
Uh, sometimes it's it's not so important to be the first, but it's important to be the one that matters, right? Like with Apple, um, they they weren't one of the first ones who launched a uh, a phone, a smartphone with which works um, with your fingers, right? Uh, like a touchscreen. Touchscreen, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I, I think that Microsoft did that before, um, but they yeah. they they were the ones who launched something oh, they had that the matters. Palm, right? They had the, like the palm thing with like the little pen and shit, and then you could use your finger or whatever. Yeah, but there were some others that also work with your finger. So not Nokia just Express Music. I had that phone. Yeah, that was pre pre iPhone. Pretty sure it was pre iPhone. The Symbian operating system. Ooh, that's, a, that's that? an old one. I, I remember a blast the name. The past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not so um, good with phones anymore, so I just get an iPhone. I don't have time to do that. This is another problem that I'm facing. the The problem with time, I, I just don't have it. I relate to that. I think I talked about this before, right? Of how I switched from like, oh, Android, and I'm gonna customize it, I'm gonna make it my own, and now I'm just like, just give me a fucking iPhone default settings, like that. That'll do. That's perfect. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. I would never, I don't know, customizing phones, it feels to me something like we would do in middle school, maybe yeah. high school, but otherwise, like, the default and everything, it just looks good. It's Remember fine. Remember when we used to send SMS messages to get polyphonic sounds from, like, a magazine, the back of a magazine? <laughs> Remember that time? God. Uh, no, i never done that. I know what you could do. I, it. I've never done it either, but, but I... I'll like, raise you one to that. You know when you we would put two phones next to each other in your bench to send over infrared <gasps> themes? Dude. Because people were sending things back then. It was such a huge thing. Dude, Themesburg 99. Yeah. If you would have started, then that's what you <laughs> would have been doing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about this, what I could have done, like, if, um, you know, I would, I mean, if you go back to the, the, to the past, of course, you know the future, so, you know, you could do a lot of fun you things. You know the future? Uh, if you, so if you, if, you, yeah, if you go back, then you know what happened. Okay, I see. If you, if you just yeah, have a time traveling like machine. Respectively. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would, buy, like, buy million bitcoins and then just well, do whatever yeah. you want right <laughs> well yeah it'll be easy <laughs> yeah i mean i think just being a responsible person you would have bought bitcoin and just not throw away the fucking hard drive <laughs> yeah like that one di- one dude did right i mean uh, i have a friend who told me that um you know when bitcoin was still worth like one cent or something like that it's so really a small value that there were websites that said, you know, if you give your email, you get a free Bitcoin. You know, you, you have to sign up kind of things. So an email actually costed more than the Bitcoin at that point. So if you would do that with like, I know, 100 emails, you could do that. You know, they didn't check whether it was real or not. Jesus Christ. So you could just take that. This know? is like the Bitcoin Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> like prehistoric times. <laughs> yeah. Damn, it just makes me feel even dumber than I am. <laughs> Why? Because at some point I wanted to have my, when I was still in college, I think it was summer, final year, first year of master's. I had this weird plan that I could put my laptop, my personal one, just plug it into the dorm uh, network. Yeah. Both Wi-Fi and, and the electricity right. and just let it mine for what it's worth. Yes. I'm pretty sure that by the time you thought of that, there were already Chinese fucking farms. Obviously, of yes, there were. The GPUs yeah. Yes, shit. there were. But still to this day, I've, if I would have got at least one or two, just in, after two years of letting yeah. it do that, because it was just free of charge. I, I would go to work for eight, ten hours. They would just stand there. I didn't pay electricity, didn't pay anything. It was just free money. Yeah, but it's one laptop versus like a farm of GPUs. You would have never made made it to be the first one to compute any 
chain any block in the chain what if i could just get pennies on the dollar right i mean it would still be worth a lot of money right mine now ethereum at that time or some shit i don't know anything <laughs> yeah well yeah dogecoin before elon musk tweeted right i i know a friend who uh shorted uh dogecoin just before it went up no no yeah he lost he lost like forty thousand dollars oh my god yeah. four thousand and it's not like 40. He, yeah 40 oh shit yeah That's 40 and it's not like he makes millions so it, it was a big sum i mean it, it wasn't all his money but it was a big sum i mean yeah. i'm surely he could have just waited and now it's probably back up again right no, that's the problem. He shorted it. So no, the, how, how much as it goes up, that's how much he's losing. Yeah, so he fucked up really bad there. Oh, shit. I don't know investing. He knows investing. Okay, I'll tell you the the, the short version of it. I don't care. Okay, I'm not, not going to tell the short version <laughs> of it. Tell it to the people. Basically, you never want to short anything. What does shorting mean? So normally when you buy a stock, you buy it. If it loses value, you lose as much value as you put in at okay. most, right? Right. If you short it, you, you're betting that the price will go low. Oh, but if it goes, heard of that. But if it goes high, it has infinite potential of going high. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you just, you never know how much you can lose. Oh. Right. Risky, but eh, it's a bit too risky. Yeah. And his logic was that it was such a bad coin and the fundamentals were so bad. I mean, the coin itself, it was like a meme coin. Yeah. The idea of Dogecoin was to kind of make fun of all the coins because you know to kind of show that anyone could create one. Yeah. And so what he did was logical, but yeah, it made sense. It made total yeah, sense. Yeah, but the crypto <laughs> market does not make sense. That's the thing about it. Mm. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense, but not too much, right? Yeah. And so who would have thought that Elon Musk, you know, the CEO <laughs> of Tesla, and I think the richest person in the world. Not sure if if he's still no. number one. First or second? Jeff Bezos is the richest. Well, the he, the king of Saudi Arabia is the, is the first, but whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, Musk at some point surpassed the uh, Bezos. Really? Yeah, I don't know what the status is right now, no, but he did at one point at least. I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, <laughs> nobody would have thought that. Yeah, nobody. I mean, you could have you could have expected him to do something along, not that, but something like that. He is a pretty fucking crazy dude. Yeah, He's, remember that time he smoked weed on the Rogan podcast? Yeah, yeah. And I it, that. as he was smoking, he was like, "Oh shit, I'm getting messages from people. What the fuck are you doing, smoking <laughs> weed live?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. I, I was watching that live at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I think I texted you. I'm like, dude, dude, fucking Elon Musk's on the Rogan podcast. You're fucking kidding me. And you're like, oh, shit, I need to see that. And you're like, dude, <laughs> this is a thing. God, fucking crazy, dude. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, what was the what was the dream? Like before Themesburg, what was how did it start? So the thing was that I worked for like four or five years at a company and um, I still did as web a software de developer. Yeah, as a software developer. And, um, you know, I learned a lot there um, and we worked for like clients, external clients, but I didn't like that too much. Like a consulting firm? Uh, outsourcing firm. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 My bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. So I kind of liked it, especially the first time because I was making no money before and making money was you know pretty cool. But after years, you know, I kind of saw that I have a lot of ideas, you know, and a lot of potential. And, you know, it was just, I couldn't do that there, you know. Yeah, no one gives a shit about your ideas in a big corporate Yeah, exactly. So I just kind of quit and started, you know, this kind of idea with Robert. Um, at that point, we didn't even make a company. We weren't making money. So, um, but we created the first product. It took us a few months to do that. 
we launched it, we made $50 a month, you know? So nice. that's like a 5,000 decrease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it still showed you that it's possible, right? Yeah. 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 But we kind of kept on because the, the main idea was to, you know, stop selling your time for money and kind of do something that makes you money while you sleep. And I think that sounded so good. Um, mm. So that was something that we tried to pursue. But the thing is that we don't make this for money. We kind of really just love what we do. Like we actually like user interfaces and we like something that looks good, behaves well. So we have this, you know, appreciation of, of uh, the craft that we're doing. And I think that helps a lot. That's why we keep on going. And another thing is that, I mean, going back to the dream, I, I wouldn't say we necessarily had a dream where that I dreamed to, you know, make millions and stuff. I mean, it would be nice, but I, I really like the process. I, I don't care so much about the destination. I mean, you get there and you get bored. I mean, I have friends who have like you know, really expensive cars and they're used to it. I mean, they're, they're not happier than I am who does not own a car, you know? You get used to it. So I know that that's not going to make me happier, but I really love what I do, the process. I'm, my mind is very engaged all the time and I love that. Things are happening. Things are interesting. You know, I go to places, I meet people that I would normally not meet. And that's a great thing. Yeah. So just life is more colorful, I would say, you know. Wow. Yeah. So there's all your dreams. Yeah. That, I mean, the dream is the dream itself, you know, like it's you're dreaming it. And that's why it's called cool, the process. I, I know if it, if it makes sense, you know, people really say, yeah, you, you get you got to get somewhere. But that's not the key. It's, you know, uh, it's actually also a dilemma in the entrepreneurial world. It's um, like climbing a mountain. What do you like more, uh, the view or the climbing itself, you know? But in my opinion, if you don't like the climbing, you're never going to get to the top because it's too hard. Right. You see? So you can like both, but you can't kind of climb the mountain without liking the climbing itself because it's too hard. You're going to give up. Okay, but you still need that peak. You have, you have to have something to make you, to be worth climbing, right? You have to have a reason to be on the mountain in the first place. Yeah, sure. So that's what yeah. I'm saying. You're going to need a bit of both. Yeah, sure. A bit of both. But obviously, the climb will take much longer than the amount of time you spend on the peak just viewing it, yeah, yeah. everything. I mean, you need that goal to set it, to, to yeah. have a journey in the first place, because then you're just kind of running around aimlessly, right? Yeah. You need to set that goal and then don't fall in love with the goal or the destination, fall in love with the process or journey. Exactly. And what I also do is like I set a lot of short-term goals mm -hmm. as well. Like I have the big vision, you know, and that helps, but I also have the short-term goals and they help, you know, that, I mean, uh, they help that, you know, so you feel that you're making progress. So that's milestones. Yeah, milestones. Keep well, yourself my, focused. Yeah. But you know what the funny thing is, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, put this thing, put, put these things on paper. You know, I don't do that. I mean, I just keep it in my mind. Like I okay. use a to-do list so that I don't forget things. And I also use the calendar to kind of uh, just, uh, you know, also not forget things, but, you know, strategies and stuff like that. You know, I try not to put it on paper most of the time, only if I have to share it with someone. Because I want to stay flexible, you know? Like, I don't want a kind of a wireframe. <laughs> I know. 
Like, I say this because I've read a lot of books that kind of tell you exactly what you have to do, that you have to make a list of things. The lean startup and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I never thought that. I mean, it helps you if you read it and you, you know, kind of learn a thing or two. But if you do exactly what they say you to do, that's that's not how it works, you know. You, you have to be able to think and, you know, observe things. Right, yeah. And yeah. make decisions yourself and not rely on books and what the others say. Well, they kind of give you a frame of reference. They don't, they, you shouldn't take word by word the, the, what they tell you to do. Like, well, right. It's never a recipe, right? Because they, tell, yeah, they exactly. kind of give you an idea. But if it was just, you have to do this, 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 and this, everybody would have done it. Yeah. Right? You yeah. still have to be able to pivot, to be flexible, to see it, to take advantage of everything. I'm talking, I'm talking like I even know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, we, we all are. I mean, you clearly know you have a business. We don't, but <laughs> we just have a podcast. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a startup what you do here as well. I mean, I think it's pretty cool, actually. It is. We talked last time about, well, me in particular, about how I deal with feedback and how I need to, like, throw shit at the wall, see if it sticks, and then I get backlash, and I, but I'm expecting to get, like, you, you know you you did this or you said that and that's you need to rethink those things and then i go and i rethink them and then by the next episode i'm like oh i've already started like integrating these things whatever it yeah. is like i don't know i shot on a <laughs> different podcast like a few episodes ago and then immediately afterwards i'm like all right i actually want to find out why i shot on them what's my actual opinion on them and then come back and then improve the editing process or whatever i don't know but yeah, it is a lot like, like you said, it's a lot like a startup where you have to like fucking constantly pivot yeah. and people give you feedback and we still haven't cut down episodes to 40 minutes. We're just kind of like, yeah, it's three and a half hours. Go. <laughs> I mean, you guys are like in the discovery phase. You still don't, maybe you still don't know what you are or what you want to be, but I think that in time you'll, you'll get that. I would say definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll say we'll definitely in the discovery phase because we're still thinking, yeah. We have this bad habit of making uh, administrative meetings on a, an episode <laughs> on <air>. itself. <laughs> yeah. But even when we don't, I mean, before those, we still have like, maybe we should try this. We should do that. Next season, let's do this. This yeah. season, let's do that. Initially, I wasn't really on par with the season thing. Like, why do we need seasons? But now it's a really good cool idea. I got asked today about that. I got asked, like, I was talking to another podcaster from Romania. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're th- this, by the way, this is the last episode of season two. Um and he was like oh i what's your what's your process with the season like how do you determine if 25 episodes is a season and i'm like dude we were mid recording episode 25 and we were talking about something else and i just like this is episode 25 animes have 25 episodes (laughs) fuck it let's have seasons just like anime and we did it and it stuck and it's like yolo (laughs) so you improvise a lot yes yeah it's it's both improvise and uh, work on free feedback from from listeners. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird balance we try to keep in yeah. it because we're trying to not be that professional and that serious about it, so we yeah. can still have fun with it. But at the same time, after doing it for tw- two seasons at this point, like we want to do something with it. Fifty so. fucking episodes, man. Well, forty nine technically because we missed one, but whatever. Shh, fifty don't tell that to the people. Yeah. <laughs> That's a secret. Um, but you know what? Today I discovered because you know I've been saying that we do ha- we're going down this sort of niche of topics that we talk about which is like existential shit and i finally figured out the word after looking it up on fucking wikipedia it's just metaphysics we're like a metaphysics focused podcast we talk like we'll have you on talking about your business and then i'm sure in like five minutes we'll be like 
what does it mean to you as a person that you do that? Like, who are <laughs> you, not the thing that you do? Like, how does that define you? Why do you feel the need to do shit like that? That's metaphysics. Metaphysics isn't that branch of philosophy that takes a, a why and how things work. Yeah. It's it's a self-reflecting branch of, of philosophy. But it, I to, knew that was about the world and how it actually... So science, yeah. physics should tell you how things work? Yeah. Metaphysics should tell you why things work. Uh-huh. In a way. I mean, f- for what reason? While you say that, I'm going to... You're going to produce again. Metaphysics. Welcome to the podcast. This is how we do shit around here. Yeah, we keep joking that we need a team, we need a producer to do this thing, but we never go on. The branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles of things, including abstract concepts such as being, knowing, identity, time, and space. No, this is not a metaphysics podcast. Abstract theory with no basis in reality. Well, never mind. (laughs) So basically, we have to talk why do we exist? What does existing mean? Not in a subjective way, but actually existing. Oh, and what is time, okay. right? Those are the topics you do in metaphysics. So it's metaphysics physics about physics. You should know by now what the word meta means. You use it every single time. It means two different things. Because Tell metamodernism me. is a different thing. What is metamodernism, please? I don't want to d- explain what the fuck that is. Just the meta in metamodernism means something different than the meta in metaphysics. Because meta originally means in between, actually, in Greek. And metamodernism is the thing that uses the meta, like whatever, syntactically correct. And that's why metamodernism is actually the halfway between postmodernist and modernist. It's like, it's the mix between the two. And that's what meta means in that context. And in different contexts, meta does mean like the the one level above abstraction or whatever the fuck it means. Isn't this actually just like philosophy, all of this? It is. All right. Welcome to the tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can see, I, I just asked... Okay, let me wait. Let me. Worried you're gonna fucking Give drop me it. The cable. There we go. Okay, there you go. So I, I just bash him that he doesn't know what meta means and he uses don't know what meta. anything means, man. He uses meta a as a punctuation sign at this point. No, I use transcending as a punctuation. No, you don't. Sign. Well, I use that. You're not that pretentious, but you do use meta all the time. Trust me, I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm the only the only one that's listening to everything, right? <laughs> Technically, <laughs> right? that's true. I know. <laughs> And I told him he doesn't know what that means. And then he went like, oh, but this one instance of the word doesn't mean what you think it means. Dude, so I'm I'll right. Prove you right in this one set of circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so what is time? <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. I'm joking. What is time? What do you think time is? I don't even know. It's just... I know. How do you spend your time? Because we talked a little bit about this before recording. Yeah. Um, I know I wake up, you know, I make a coffee. So this is like a normal day yeah, in your normally. life. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What time do you wake up? Are you a early bird or? No, random. I mean, sometimes at eight, sometimes at 11. So I don't have a program by the way. Okay. But I do have habits and I keep mm-hmm. track of my habits. So I, I actually, you know, consider habits more important than, than like just time when you do something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wake up, drink my coffee, kind of just read stuff, you know, emails, messages, stuff like that. I like to stay at home for like two hours. And this is something that we did at the company as well. Um, I told them that, um, you know, I don't really care so much, um, from where you're working. I only care that you do what you have to do. And 
if we have to work together, then it's important that we are together. But that doesn't have to be all the time. I, for instance, I really like to have one or two hours um, for myself when I work at home. Because the thing is that if you wake up and you know you have this thing, yeah, I got to get to the office at 10 o'clock, you're already stressed out. And you're not thinking yeah. about doing what you have to do. You think about getting there. You know, you get there, you start talking with people, you already wasted an hour, you know. But when I wake up, you know, my brain is like clean, like, you know, I, I don't have to talk to anyone or something like that. And in those two hours, I can think very clearly. That's when I do the strategies. That's when I read stuff and when I do like research. And then I have like the, the vision, you know, the strategy that I have to do. And then I go to the company and I actually stay there for like six, seven, eight hours, sometimes 10 hours, you know, it doesn't matter. And then we work. So, yeah, that's kind of what, what has been now. So I just wake up two or three hours at home. Then I go to the office. I stay there. Um, we also have a lot of fun there, you know. And then I go home. I usually go for a jog, something like that, and then repeat. But this has been happening for like three weeks now. Before right. this, it was very chaotic. Like, you know, sometimes I would work from a Starbucks. Sometimes I would go home. Sometimes I wouldn't work for four days because I went somewhere. So my schedule is like chaotic, but it has good habits, I would say. It's productive and it's like result oriented, I would mm. say. Yeah. So now since you, so basically what you're saying is that now since you've got the office, that sort of anchored you into a sort of routine. Yeah. Yeah. Before mm. that, I had no routine. Like it was absolutely just chaos. <laughs> and And it still is like we... You know, we don't have like this kind of schedule that, you know, from 10 to 6 or something like that. We usually go at 9, 10, 11, you know. I know maybe this is going to change at some point. It's We're still kind of just testing things out, but it's been working great so far. Right. We're, we're still like three guys working, so I want to kind of keep this flexibility. Um, maybe if we grow, we can't do this anymore. How big are you hoping to grow? Uh, how big we're hoping to grow? Uh, in terms of like employees, uh, yeah, sure. Um, I don't actually want a lot of employees because you know the more people are in an organization, the harder it is to get stuff done. I would say. Right. You need more processes and processes yeah. and processes. You start spending time and effort on managing, I, yeah, which probably you don't want to. Actually, we are we are using a, a pretty interesting strategy in terms of like what we do. Uh, I actually call it like guerrilla um, teamwork. Um, okay, I like the sound of that. Tell me yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that um, we see this. We see this at, uh, with our competitors, and they are very organized. And this, and they're not big companies necessarily, and it is very hard for them to like make quick and decisive decisions. You know, they like make plans for a month prior, even for quarters. We don't really do that. We do have a vision. So we know what we want to do. And we make, you know, really quick decisions based on what's going to work. You know, I do the research. I see, okay, this is going to be good. And we do that. And we do that in like a few days. If we've been, if we've been working on something and this is more important, we're just going to halt everything and concentrate on that and finish that, launch it, you know, like show it to the world, of course, make our impact and then resume. And right. whatever we do, we always kind of change the plan a little bit because everything changes anyway, you know? Um, 
so yeah, Guerrilla is something like we we only keep like a Trello board, like, like you know we do mm-hmm. we have to do these things. We don't give it the time. I don't care how much you worked on it. We focus on quality, so that that goes above everything else. We do not launch if it's not ready, but we are very very flexible. And um, another thing with the Guerrilla thing is that um, you know with our current project with Flowbyte. Um, we do a lot of launches um, consecutively. So instead of like making one big reveal of a product, we keep, you know, showing small parts of it. Showing as in media showing or showing as in publishing? Showing? Publishing, yeah. So, so like you publish version one and then version 1.1 or... Not just the version, it's like, you know, we, it's a library of components. and So you're doing like an early access type of thing. Yeah, you're releasing it bit by bit. Yeah, that's cool. Our competitors, what that's they've cool, been—that's usually a game development thing that you're yeah. sort of doing in in just software dev. Yeah. So we we had this flow by we we actually had only the design files. We had no code right, uh, ready, and we said, hey, let's uh, let's actually um, add some pre-orders for this. You know? and, oh, I remember you told me that. Yeah, and people actually pre-ordered like uh, more than fifty percent of the of the purchases were pre-orders. That's a really useful lean startup situation, right? Where Absolutely. you're kind of testing the market, you're doing like these quote unquote fake whatever yeah. reveals and shit, like, oh, sign up for this new thing that will launch eventually. And then exactly. you get a feel of how many people are actually interested in when they sign up. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And another thing that is that, you know, we had this project and it was ready. And we still didn't launch it. And people called us crazy. Uh, I mean, the people who were close to us in terms of business, we told them, no, we're not going to launch. Everyone in the business says, okay, launch as fast as possible. But no, you don't want to launch something that's not being expected. You want to create that expectation in the market. You, know, you want people waiting for it. You want people like ripping Wanting doors it. off to get <laughs> to that. And then you give it to them. Oh, I like that. Just tease them a little bit so yeah. they want yeah. not just put them in their face because maybe they don't know, they don't care, but once they do care, I see. Yeah. That's smart, I like I'm, it. I'm curious about this because you, okay, you clearly can do that now that you're already sort of settled in a way, right? You have financing and your money's coming in, you've got an office, all that shit, right? How, because I, I, I'm guessing you've always done that from the beginning. You, you took your time. You didn't like rush into things as you would normally do, quote unquote, in business where you're like, let's get something out quick and make money and whatever, right? I'm, I'm assuming you never did that. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit at the beginning, but... So that's my question. Like, how did that evolve into this? Because now you can say, like, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to release it tomorrow. I need it to be perfect. We're going to release it in three weeks, and that's fine. Yeah. But growing your business, right, up to this point, how did you treat this situation? Well, it's a good question. Um, Thank you. I think <laughs> that, like, at the beginning, we obviously didn't really have a plan. We didn't know what we're doing. You know, it was a discovery phase. We always um, put a lot of importance on quality. So we never launched something, you know, just to launch it. But I would say that after one year, the quality of our products increased a lot. So the first year it was meh, you know, second year, a bit better. Third year, you know, we're actually um, in competition with the big guys. Right. So it takes about two years uh, of sweat and blood, blood, yeah, to Tears. to get to a decent position. There's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make in every way possible right. uh, to get through those two years. 
that was my second question. Like, how did you, because you were, you were employed when you started this, or did you already quit when you started this with Robert? So I was a bit crazy. I actually quit. Uh, okay. So I, I didn't do anything else. Um, I was lucky because I still stayed with my parents, mm-hmm. you know, and that helped me financially. Right. Um, but I didn't want to do anything else. Like I was so convinced that this is what I have to do, you know? Wow. A yeah. true visionary. Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, I wasn't sure that I would succeed, but I knew that I had to do that because if I would, yeah, because if I would have kept on doing what I was doing, you know, I was frustrated. I was unhappy. So there were so many bad things about my state of being when I was an employee and being an employee is not bad. I mean, it really depends on the person. There are advantages and disadvantages. I mean... 95% 95% of startups fail and yeah. they usually don't fail because you don't have like, like the technical, the hard skills to do it. You fail mentally because it's very hard. I mean, we, uh, for example, with my co-founder, we put a lot of importance um, on our relationship so that we are, uh, you know, we're good with, with each other. Because if like the, uh, uh, if like the center of the business, like the, the co-founders who have, and we still have like a huge majority of the shares, if we can't discuss and communicate effectively, like everything else is going to be rotten. You know, like it's, you have to really take care of that. And actually this is, this is where I see a lot of companies failing. So they have a good product, they market it well, there is a market for it and they make money. But uh, they can't um, collaborate. You know, it's it's very hard to share, you know? Because from your point of view, you always kind of feel that you're doing more, you know? And we saw this with a lot of, like, good companies that made a lot more money than we do now. And so from some silly things, you know, they kind of just um, broken up. And now both of them are like in a not very good situation. So they kind of got back uh, to where they were. Right. So this is, uh, so this is I, I think, where most startups fail. Of course, there's also the problem with, you know, the, the financial situation. That's what, you know, you think about first when you start it. But now I'm talking about the problems that usually come after one or two years. Right. So this is where startups fail. You never fail when you start it. You never fail at the third month. Let's be serious. You fail after one or two years. And actually, that's when the magic happens. That's when you start really discovering yourself, the business, the people that listen to you. Of course, it's going to happen sooner or later. It depends on the dynamics and on the people, how much effort you're putting into it. But um, yeah, this is something that I found. I mean, if you're a solo founder, uh, this this is not a problem, you know. But I think that when there's two or more, there's a lot more ideas, and if, and if they can, you know, work together, um, you know, a lot of a lot of greater things can can happen. So what I would advise to new companies and startups is that take really good care of your partner and of the relationship that you have with him or her. Because the center of the business is you guys, you know? And it's who <laughs> you are, basically. Yeah. 
that's so weird because the way you described that made me think of like actual like romantic relationships because that you can extrapolate that right if you don't it's yeah can sustain it and talk and communicate in one two years or whenever yeah it, it's just at the like the goldilocks phase or whatever right at one two years when you're like as you said discovering it and it's like oh this is your chance if you haven't done enough to sort of support it and sustain it and grow it it'll just flop yeah I i'm mean, talking from experience <laughs> i mean one of the hardest one of the hardest things to do is to like accept feedback i think that's very hard yeah yeah so it always is and yeah. it's it's easy to accept feedback from an external person mm. it's very hard to accept feedback from someone close to you right especially when there's you know a lot of interest and money involved as well right and it's very hard to comprehend the fact that um you know being together i mean you could make a lot more by staying together even if at some times you feel that you're making more like this is a discussion that i had with robert and i think it's very interesting we never um we never kind of look at each other who and how much he or she is working right. you know like because you can't um, you can't measure it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, how can I measure your involvement in the company in time? I don't think that's right. Because it, maybe I work three hours and I bring a lot more to the table than you do with six hours. So it doesn't work right, like that. Yeah. So um, this is another thing that we kind of did at the company so that we prevent burnouts. I told everyone that I am not impressed if you stay 16 hours at the, at the company. I'm really not impressed by that. I'm impressed if you actually do something and uh, you do it better. That's something that impresses me. If you did that in two minutes, I'm even going to congratulate you because you did that in that time, <laughs> yeah. you know? And uh, this is good because um, it, it prevents competition inside the company in terms of like, um, you know, who's doing more. This is another thing that happens between founders, you know? Um, that's like the Steve Ballmer era of Microsoft. That's what they used to do. Yeah. When Steve Ballmer was the when CEO. They paid people by the number of line of code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Steve Ballmer was the CEO and he's a tech guy. Like he's not, you don't put a fucking tech guy like in, at, at a big corporate like that. You don't put a tech guy at the big decision making level that he's supposed yeah. to be with the techies. And he put Steve Ballmer and it, that's when Windows Vista happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was kind of shit, and they 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 were like micro like Microsoft employees were backstabbing each other because they get paid like who would work more. So instead of working more, yeah. they'd backstab other teams to and like fuck them up so they work less. <laughs> yeah, and that's just it doesn't make any sense. But it, I mean, it makes sense in a in a yeah. sort of game theory way. It's I mean up. yeah, sure they had their reason, but it doesn't make sense in the big picture. It's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one thing I'm thinking when you're saying this, there was this one talk I've heard about one guy, I think it was a freelancer or whatever, and there's this discussion about designing a logo, right? And I can design you a logo in like maybe two hours, let's say. And mm. the better one who has, I don't know, 10 years of experience can do it in like five minutes and it's a better logo. But then the customer will come in and say, well, why do I have to pay you so much more if you worked only five minutes? Then the answer that came out with is, is so... You want me, you want to pay me just for the number of hours I work that I can work two weeks on this logo that you can have in five minutes. What what's yeah. the point? Why, why yeah. does that make any sense to you? It it's actually better that 
you know, it's done faster because exactly. you get it faster. You you wanna you want results. You don't want. I mean, if everyone would stay like eight hours at the company, but they wouldn't perform, like it doesn't make sense. I would prefer them to stay three hours, right? Yeah, but that's the big but difference have between, results. between being employed and having your own company, right? Because when you have your own company, it's in, or your interest to have results. It doesn't matter the effort, right? But when you're employed, like, you'll get your salary anyway. Yeah. So it's like, it's tempting to just, just fucking, you know. See, this is why I don't want a lot of employees. I want partners. Mm. You know, like, we're going to have some employees at some point. It's inevitable. But I don't want to rely on them necessarily. So whenever we start a new project, I ask myself, can we do this ourselves? Yes, but it's going to take a lot of effort. Okay, um, can we partner up with someone else or another team? Um, maybe they can do it better. Maybe, you know, they have more possibilities and opportunities as well. Let's do that, you know? I like that idea. And we, you know, kind of split the, split the money. And I think that works. You don't need to have like, you know, thousands of employees and especially in the tech area, you know, things are a lot more scalable. So, yeah. Makes sense. And, uh, you know, you can also kind of set the, the, uh, the company culture as well from the beginning. I'm still not sure what we are, you know. <laughs> What's your company culture? I know, I think we're still chaotic, but we are very focused. We are result focused. Um, we love what we do. We, you know, we laugh a lot. I mean, if, we, if you would stay with us for like eight hours, you'd have so many laughs. It's like incredible. We're just doing stupid stuff all the time because I it helps. I stayed with you guys for like an hour and we had a lot of fun Yeah, <laughs> at Ed Prow conference. Like we stayed in, your, in, in the office for like, what, half yeah, an hour, yeah. an hour or something. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it helps us, you know, like just, uh, you know, go through the work and all that, because what we do is, 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 is not very easy in the sense that, you know, you have to code, you have to design. It's not necessarily very fun, you know, and we compensate with this, you know, so it helps. Yeah. Sounds like a fun work environment. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause I was about to ask you, well, how do you view, uh, corporate culture? Because <laughs> honestly, to me, most of the, I know they're actual cop. Car, ugh, sorry, companies out there that have culture and it's a good thing, but for most of the time it's just a joke from what I've seen. Yeah. I think that with, you know, like very large companies, it's, um, you can't have the same culture that you have with startups because, you know, you, you need some order, you need some kind of hierarchy and stuff. So I kind of understand that, but I also think that you as an employee, if you stay at a corporation, you also have the liberty to just, you know, get out of there and do something yourself or go to another startup. You know, you don't have to necessarily found your own company. You can partner up with someone and get some shares from that if you want another environment. But you can get both of the worlds. Like, you have to choose, you know. There are disadvantages to what we do as well. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know. Um, whereas, you know, with the corporation, you know, you have a lot more, um, money backed up, I would say, you know, there's right. budgets and stuff. So things are a bit uh, more stable, I would say. I never actually worked at a big corporation. So even before I say like a smaller company. So, yeah. What's your biggest fear? Cause you were talking about like uncertainty and stuff. What's, what's your biggest fear with, with Themesburg? With Thingsburg. 
um, that me and my partner would like kind of uh, separate, you know, like just, um, how do you say? Um, there would be like a misunderstanding mm -hmm. and then we would right. say, okay, we want to go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. Like I don't exclude the fact that, you know, maybe in like 20 or 30 years, we're not going to, you know, have a business together. But like for the long term, I, you know, I, I, I envision the business uh, with him, you know, mm -hmm. because I know that if that happens, you know, the reason it's, it's going to be stupid, you know, and I just don't want that happening. See, like, I don't care so much about the market dynamics and stuff like that because I know that we are flexible enough so that we can uh, adapt. Um, I'm I'm uh, more fearful from internal problems, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm guessing keeping a low number of employees will shield you from that as well because you won't risk hiring someone who might seem okay and then not be okay and like ruin the company from the inside or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Look, like this is another thing, by the way, that we discuss with Robert. Um, you know, with employees, you know, you, you're not really allowed to make them your friends. You know, you have to give them a lot of respect, but not make them your friends. Like my grandfather, for instance, he had like a smaller business after uh, communism uh, has fallen and it went really well. Um, but he hired um, two family members as employees and the business uh, started uh, going uh, more badly because, you know, bigger companies started importing products and he, he wasn't competitive anymore. Mm -hmm. And instead of like cashing out because he had, quite a bit of capital at that time. And he could have done like almost anything else. He didn't do that because he wanted to keep paying the employees. Mm. And so he kept doing that for two years. Um, the capital that he initially had decreased with, I don't know, like 90%. Oof. And then he closed. And I think that he didn't just do a, um, you know, a, um, it wasn't just bad for the business and for him. It was also bad for the family members because they were doing something that had no future anymore. So mm -hmm. you kept them there for like two years. I think that if he would have like closed the business, take the capital out, do something else, help the family members find some other stuff to do, maybe do something else. Invest that money into something that's profitable and yeah. long-term. Yeah, but the problem was that he didn't have a you know capitalistic like a financial education right? right you know so that was the other problem because every normal business person would have done that you know but there was a lot of you know feelings involved and stuff like that so what i'm trying to say that you know feelings are not allowed with employees that's like a very dangerous line because it it seems um it seems like a good idea in a way you know to be close to the work to the people that you work with but it complicates things a lot you know in the long term with associates so with partners you can have a more you know friendly relationship you know but with employees you you got to be careful with that now i'm not saying that you're gonna have to like um behave yourself like a robot you know you can still laugh and still stuff be like. friends with him but not just friends friends yeah so not friends friends a bit of friendship you know yeah, you have to have a good like atmosphere right you have yeah. to have everybody feeling good but just know 
like how can I say it? No emotional attachment, right? Because you, yeah. yeah, yeah. you need to have your mind straight on the business. Yeah. Do you like like me? <laughs> not just like We're me. partners. We're not employees. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because that's what I'm saying. I think with partners, the thing is you don't, you're not that much uh, responsible of them, right? As with employees, you're responsible for their paycheck. Yeah. So Otherwise, partners are just, it's even. Yeah. And there's a lot of responsibility involved as well, of course. So. I mean, I, I didn't know these things so much. Like, I didn't actually have, like, an employee that would not be a partner at this point. I mean, this is stuff that I've heard about that mm-hmm. we discussed so far. Like, I wouldn't say I have experience in this field. I do have experience in the field of, you know, maintaining a good relationship with uh, associates. So that I do have. But with employees, not so much, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm preparing for that. Like, you know, I'm I'm trying to learn from uh, the mistakes of others. Like, I'm making mistakes every day anyway, you know. But as much as I can, I try to, like, uh, also learn from the mistakes of others. I think that's smart. <laughs> yeah. So that you don't have to go through all of the possible mistakes ever, you know. Like, try to dodge at least a few of them. What would you say is your biggest mistake so far? Uh, that I didn't start the company sooner. <laughs> Damn, that's a good answer. <laughs> that was, like... Rapid fire, dude. Wow. Okay. I mean, I would say that I stayed at at that company for four years. It was good, but I should have stayed only two. Hmm. You know, like, it was good for the experience. But four was a bit much. And, you know, mentally, it was also very hard the last year. Like, I I was the worst employee ever, by the way. Like I, I, I was never in agreement with anything. I always criticized the company. I actually had a better relationship with the clients than with the company itself. Um, so, you know, the, I, I, I'm still in a very good relationship with everyone from there, you know, in, involving my boss. So uh, I, I still respect him and he's, he's a great guy, but it just wasn't my place there, you know? Because we had way too many ideas. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, you instantly didn't fit in with the environment. You you always wanted to do this, what you're doing now. Yeah. You do seem like you're thriving. thriving. <laughs> well, maybe externally so. I just feel that there's a lot of things happening, really. I mean, that's what I feel. And I like that. I actually do. And I love the fact that I have the freedom to do anything in a way you know like it depends on me whether i want to wake up or not it depends Mm -hmm. on me whether i want to do that or not so uh that's really cool yeah but those choices do impact the business and everything right you 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 say that like i can wake up whenever i want but like waking up at different times will affect whatever i don't know you can't like wake up at 12 when you have like a 9 a.m meeting or something yeah i feel no (laughs) so when there's a meeting or something I, i i'm never late like I'm literally never late with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there, when it's like a normal day, I don't like you know I'm not obsessed with time. I I care about what what we do. I mean, if we if we do something well at six o'clock or four o'clock, I don't care about that. You know, when right. there's a meeting, of course, you know, like uh, you have to respect the the other part, you know, so that you don't drop his or her time, right? But yeah, time's money. And yeah. also respect. Hmm? And also respect, right? Like if you yeah, were respect, at some type yeah. of meeting and you come 15 minutes late, like yeah, what do you that, think you are? What does that say about you? Right. Yeah. I would actually, uh, as you said, Colleen, I would say that it's more respect than it is money, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I never say this, by the way, time is money. I, I think it's a very, you know, 
simplistic way of like very hustle culture. Yeah, yeah, very hot. Like we also we're we're not. So this is another thing. Um, you know, most of the entrepreneurs that I talk with, they say, "Yeah, I work all day. You know, sixteen hours a day. I'm burning out." And I say, "You know, I don't do that. You know, I'm kind of laid back." I'm all, my mind is always like on the business, but well not always, but most of the time, but you don't have to work 16 hours to do something. You have to work smart, not hard necessarily, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to innovate. You don't want to do the same thing harder. Yeah. Well, we, we glorify hard work. I yeah. mean, not even hard work, oh, just yeah. long hours of work. We so yeah. much glorify this, it. This is, this is why I said to everyone in the company that, you know, I'm not impressed if, you know, you work all day. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, like, say that it's bad that you do that. Maybe I will, actually, because you're gonna be tired out. You need to have a life. Yeah. You know? Um, I care about what you do. And I care, I, you know, I'm very impressed when someone takes something, you know, like a task, and makes it better. And I don't care if that took two hours more or something like that. I love the initiative and the ideas. You know, that that's something that really does impress me because that holds value that's actual value there you know that's interesting i never viewed things like that i guess oh i never thought about that if it was just giving people time to work in in their own schedule yeah because i mean come on you're what you and i were employees right and we are. We work with clients and everything, right? Directly with them, and the, everything's like agile and streamlined. And I, I said agile, and then I'm going to contradict myself with like streamlined and due dates, and this needs to be done, and like high quality shit, and you got to do that, and you got to deliver, and you got to make the client happy and suck his dick and whatever, and do all these shit. And it's like you don't get the time and space to do it properly or fully well or like come up with your own way of doing it or your own initiative it's like no it has to be done and it has to be like this yeah that's because uh, of the nature of the business because you're working for another client but when you have your own product you know it's different dynamics right well, also depends in a way because what i've learned along the way is clients and customers they never know what they want right they never that's know true. what they want so there is time and place a time and place to do this to spin off or to come up with improvements the problem is it's i think it's a problem of time and schedule because everything is so tight yeah like we have two weeks we have four people we have this many story points everything has to be done by that and you'll always it's not enough just to do that let mm. alone sit some time to just think about it and improvise and do whatever else you can do yeah. about it. like the way what's the company that does does this it's who has get uh, Atlassian? Are they Jira. doing this? Yeah, they have Jira. I think that they have they have this one day. I think every Friday or every second Friday, you are allowed to work at whatever you want. Google, Google, definitely not Google. It. Oh, I mean, it could be Google. It wasn't Google when I heard this. It could be Google also. I'm it's not the saying eighty it's not. twenty thing. Eighty percent of your week, and then twenty percent you get, which is one day. You get to do whatever the fuck you want. That's a bastardization of the 80-20 year old, but okay, I'll well, take it. I'll yeah. take it. But they do have this one that you can get all to work yep. or anything you want. And they say this is where the, all the good ideas come from. That's nice. Yeah. That, that is, but not a lot of people do it. Google. And that's how like Hangouts was born and a lot of other shit like that. I'll bet you they're not the only ones, but okay. No, no, they're definitely not the only ones. It's just like I 100% know that it's Google that does that. It's one of them. Okay. It does that. I'll take it. Um, yeah. 
I don't know about other companies. No, it's just, then it's a problem with the culture. I'm going to say culture again, although I don't know what it means in a corporate corporate environment. Finally, you're throwing words that have no <laughs> meaning. It's not just me. It's the way of doing things, okay? Yeah. Fine. But the way you have to do it, like this is the thing you have to do and nobody asks you. Or if you come with ideas, then either you have to work more for it and you don't have get the time to work for it or you have put everybody else to work for it and nobody, nobody wants to work some more. Yeah. Also risk and everything else because it's on a tight budget and everything on it. That's what it's really cool what you have because it's very flexible and you can pivot and be flexible in that way. Say flexible three times. <laughs> That's how good it is. <laughs> yeah. You like it when she's flexible. What? What? <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm don't. On that note, um y- you clearly define yourself a lot by your work. I, I can see that. I don't know if the people out there can can hear that, but I can definitely see that you define yourself by your work. You love what you do, and you're not like obsessed with it. You clearly have your life, but you've made your life in such a way where this is like a huge chunk of it, and you love it. And right, who are you outside of that? Who is who is Zoli, the young guy born one year past ninety four, as we said <laughs> in the intro. I'm very sociable. I like, you know, hanging around with people and having discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, I love traveling, so I like new things. And I think this is because I'm a curious person by nature. Um, I love art, but like not the visual one, but the audio one. So that's why I also um, know how to play the guitar. Right. I play the piano a little bit and I want to learn to do that properly. So I do have that. Um, I don't. I don't actually even know whether I'm introvert or extrovert. I think I'm both, actually. <laughs> so that's pretty weird. Um, I know. Like I try to keep friends and family close. So I. Um, I'm a pretty family person in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like watching Netflix. I guess. <laughs> What's your favorite show? <laughs> uh, Peaky Blinders. Really? Yeah. Love I haven't it. seen that one yet. It's really good. Um, Did you watch Squid Game? No. <laughs> Everyone seems to be watching Squid Game. No, no, I don't. I, I mean, I actually don't have a lot of time to Netflix um, these past few weeks because um, I've actually got a PlayStation 5 like two Ooh. months ago. And I usually just like play an hour of FIFA and it just like, you know, really chills me out. Like, I love it. When I play... I, I don't think about anything, just the ball, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, I play it and it's, it's pretty fun. I, you know, I usually play with like a solo gamer and a solo player and, um, you know, he just grows in skills and stuff like that. And I just like, you know, I like that kind of uh, progress kind of thing. You, you, you love playing RPGs. You have one mm. character and you get to level it up. And yeah. I, I kind of like that too. Yeah. And with games, by the way, so I was a pretty big gamer when I was, like, younger. Um, and I play a lot of strategy games. So that, that's something that was a bit, you know, more interesting. That for my class, we were, like, I don't know, like, 20. And almost everyone played, like, shooter games. Um, I think... Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah. Call of Duty. Th- that, that kind of thing never hooked me up. Like, I actually played Call of Duty a little bit, Counter-Strike... Just with the friends, but like uh, I was never hooked up. I really loved like Age of Empires, Hearts of Fire, and you know these kind of strategy games. Right. So, so these were the things that you know, like like you know, I could play them like even five or six hours, you know, and I would, yeah. So that's another thing. 
that's a that's a pattern, right? Yeah. Of like clearly he loves playing strategy games, so he'll probably be a good entrepreneur <laughs> and like analytical thinking and planning and doing all these things. Now all everybody no. who, when they're gonna have children, they're gonna force Age of Empires on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's weird because uh, I had this kind of phase when I was like fifteen or sixteen years old. And I think I, I, I started playing the guitar because I wanted just to impress girls. That Like, that was literally the reason to do that. I mean, that's usually the reason yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the weird thing was that I actually started liking it a lot. And I said that, okay, I like this so much that I don't just want to learn how to play the chords. I also want to know how to play solos. Yeah, yeah, um, So there was, there was a time when I would, you know, play on the guitar for like seven or eight hours a day. I was like crazy. Damn. Yeah, and I even went to like this kind of, um, you know, guitar school, but it was like just for two weeks. So I learned a lot from there. And uh, I was really close to having a career in music, actually. Wow. I, I did both music and um, and tech as well. Like just a bit of programming. I wasn't very good, but I, I, I did know how to make websites and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of talked with my parents. They told me, look, this could be better for you. I liked both things uh, at the same level. So it wasn't like I liked one or the other more. And so I know I would say, okay, I don't have to necessarily have a career in music to keep playing the guitar, right? Right. So I would say, you know, I have a lot more flexibility and there's a lot more sense to get into the tech, into the tech area in time. So now I have both, uh, both, of, the, uh, both of the worlds. So right. You know, business-wise and financially, I'm pretty good. Um, and I also have this artistic side that's very good to get back to. Like, when there are difficult times and stuff like that, it's it's just so good when you can kind of like, I don't know, play the guitar, the piano, or, you know, paint something. You know, you kind of can project your feelings into that, and then you just go through it. You know, you don't, sometimes you don't even have to think about it because that's what's hard, you know, thinking about it. You just let it go, you know, you yeah. play the guitar for an hour and just, you know, then you, you're good, you know. I can 100% relate to that. The only time I played a stupid fucking guitar over here is when I'm sad. And I'll just be like, all right, I need to fucking get all the emotions out. <laughs> and I'll just put the guitar and play for like an hour. And then I'm like, I'll, my fingers will hurt yeah. and I'll be tired. And my voice will crackle because I'll be singing out of my fucking lungs. Yeah. And after an hour, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's uh, what you should try, by the way? You should also try to play the guitar when you're happy. So not just when you're sad. Because when you play when you're yeah. sad, it's uh, the effect is even better. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking recently, right? In the last okay. like while. I haven't been that sad very recently. Uh, so I haven't really touched it in a while. But like historically, like because I, I used to have a band in high school, right? And then after that happened, since then, for like the last few years... It was mostly when I was sad, I'd pick it up and I'd play and I'd be like, all right, I feel better now. Yeah. yeah. But def definitely to impress girls. And you're <laughs> never sad when you're doing that. Yeah. yeah. You're like, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. yeah. These magic fingers. Yeah, but I think in a way this, so, I don't know, at some point, when, whenever I talk to people, they have some sort of a artistic side to them. I think most of them felt artsy when they're sad. There's something about sadness that brings it, forces it out yeah. of you. Mm. Right. Because I used to do this with writing. I was somewhat of a, mixture between journaling and storytelling and always when i felt sad i was i had the time i had the 
energy mood, I was low energy, I could sit down and write. But when I was happy, like, I'm happy, I don't want to sit down yeah. and write. That, the <laughs> that happy. It never worked like that. But guitar, I feel that would work better. But there's just something about sadness, and I just get it out in a way, right? It's like a disease I, you want to get out. You're like, it's cold, I want to get it out. Not really. I, 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 we've talked about this before, but I feel in a way happiness, you feel it in your body, and it has a, its own way of going out. Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you what ha- what's happening in my view. I think that when you're happy, you want to go out to the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. You, you feel like you're ready for the world and you just want to show you yourself. And, yeah, yeah. But when you're sad, you want to, like, get back to yourself. Yeah. Because you know, people people understand happiness but from the others, but it's very hard to understand someone's sadness. And so that's why you kind of get back to yourself or maybe, maybe to your partner. So I think that's, that helps actually, if you have a good relationship to share these kind of things. Yeah, but I like the happiness but, pulls you out. Sadness yeah. pulls you in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. you had to connect again. Yeah. I always, I always had this metaphor in a way, because whenever I had these feelings, I can put a finger, how I can feel them. And happiness feels like you have like this burning candle. And as long as it's lit, lit up, it you feel happiness, but it also consumes the candle. Mm-hmm. So you cannot just put yeah. it in a jar and I'll preserve this happiness for tomorrow. Whereas when I'm sad, it kind of feels like I have this. There's two ways I do it. Either you have like this bowl, like this size, like you hold it in three three fingers in the middle of my rib cage, mm. or it just feels like my arms are empty. I need to hug somebody in that way. It's somebody's <laughs> supposed to be here, and it's not like that's, that's the way it feels. Yeah, you can tell the by the way that it works like that. And on top of that, I would say happiness brings people together in a way like, I don't know, just a party, right? Yeah. Easy. You can be together with people when you're happy. But if you can find a circumstance that sadness will bring people together, sadness will bring people so much closer and which such a deeper connection Yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, uh, that, that's true. You know, that makes a lot of sense because that's when you're vulnerable. And I think that when you're vulnerable, that's when you can, you know, make a very deep connection with someone, mm-hmm. I would say. Suffering brings us together. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say suffering necessarily. Like sadness, I think, has more forms, right? Yeah. I just Wasn't that the plot of Westworld or some shit? To like suffering and like sadness and trauma is like the one unifying thing that makes the robots humans or some shit like that. I don't know. Could be sounds very Westworldly. Yeah, but I have this <laughs> idea that this is a, a, a bit of a I want to say a problem, but the difficult part of making adult friendships is first of all the time you get to have to spend with somebody because time in the game makes for a good friendship, but also the hard hardships you go through with people, right? You, like, the mm. friends you have from mm. high school or whatever. But you went through school, you went to the test, the exams, everything that which was stressful at that time. Right now. How do you get into hard, true hardship with people when everybody is going to be as comfortable as they can all the time? That's why people go to the mountains. That's my theory about it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was. Huh. I don't know. I That reminded me of, like, I when... I guess this is still valid. Like, if I ever fucking learn how to properly take photos, like, with the DSLR or some shit, like, I always had this vision that, like... I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to learn how to properly like really take like portraits really well. And I had this fantasy of like taking portraits of like really extreme emotions. Like if it, I don't know if I ever have like an, an exposition, what the fuck you call it? Like a gala of shit of photos that I've taken. I want them to be extreme emotions. Like I want to go to a funeral or something and take up like a portrait, like immortalize that moment of someone just yeah. letting loose, like crying 
or like happiness, like a child being like just joyful. And like, I want to, it's weird because I want to say I want to capture, but I want to steal that emotion. Mm-hmm. I want to steal it and put it on a photo. I just kind of want to steal that from someone with a camera for myself. Yeah. It's like, I, I immortalized this. Yeah. But you're taking like just a moment of that emotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that moment, yeah, okay. Yeah, you just reminded me of that of that thing. Mm-hmm. I suck at taking photos. I'm horrible at it. You could take a course or something. Yeah. There's a course for everything nowadays. Well, join Coursera, sponsored today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They would never sponsor us. Yeah, it's a problem of time and actual uh, commitment to it. Yeah. Because I have tried at one point to pick yeah. up the guitar. The problem I had with it is I couldn't find an <laughs> online course about it. So I have a track. I just kept trying chords and chords i could find some progressions but it felt like i was just spinning my wheels in the air and then there was no progress and i couldn't feel it and i just yeah well, this will take me three hours a day two three days a week and i don't feel <laughs> yeah. like i'm making progress yeah fine yeah. you see it takes a lot of time i mean i remember it was hard like for like a week my fingers hurt a lot yeah no, i know oh, i yeah. feel that and then for like two months i felt you know like s- stupid like like i could play like my mind was not connected to my fingers it was like very very bad but at some point you know you kind of get better and better and better you clumsily start your way into it sort of yeah it's kind of like when you're learning a language you don't want to get everything perfect you know you you just want to get a hang of it Mm -hmm. and in time you're going to perfect it it's it's the same way with the guitar as well um when I saw a few people, you know, learning the guitar, they try to do everything perfectly. And no, that's not how you do it. You just, you know, clumps your way through with it. And yeah, yeah it's going to be shit for like a, uh, a few months, but then you're going to get the hang of it. And then, then you know how to like uh, play a song, maybe two, maybe three. And the thing is that when you already know how to play decently enough, then you no longer... Um, notice that it's hard to learn a new song Mm -hmm. like if i if i have to learn a new song or if i want to learn a new song i i love the process of doing that as well discover every note and how you move your fingers between them yeah because i i already have no problem like connecting my mind with the fingers and the rhythm and all that stuff right so i think that's what that's what's hard and it's this is uh this applies to everything really you know you want to lose weight it's going to be hard, especially at the beginning. Hmm. You want to create a business, it's going to be hard. Everything that is good, you know, it takes effort. And it sounds like, hard, yeah. You yeah. sound like Simon Sinek, like all the good things take time to build and patience. Yeah. But it's true. It is true. Yeah, it's shit, but it's true. <laughs> you know, like it's, that, that's how it is, you know. But if it would be easy, everyone would be doing that. Yeah, that's true. So... At my first job in London, I don't know why, but we always used to do analogies and I got really good at making analogies because of that. I hope I don't fucking know. But we used to have these like either uh, either construction analogies, construction work analogies or bakery analogies. And my favorite one was this one that like you don't fucking learn how to make cakes by making bad cakes. You learn how to make a fucking bread toast like a whatever cheese toasty or a cupcake right and you start from that and you build your way up to cakes you don't just start making shit cakes until you make good cakes you start with like a cupcake or something small like a muffin yeah and you build your way up you know it's it's something like you know start small continue big and finish big (laughs) yeah yeah right exactly i mean continue medium and then you know finish big 
Yeah. yeah it's just add add on top of it with everything. There's also the passion that you you have to keep putting into it. I had this I had to learn this weird lesson about time and commitment when I went to Portugal for for surfing. I would stay oh, there yeah. about like ten days or something, and each and every day I had like this instructor that was supposed to meet at like eleven, ten, eleven a.m. and just go surf for two hours. Um, I somewhere around the I don't know, four, five or six, something like that. I would wake up like maybe eight. 8.30, 9-ish, I would eat something and I was supposed to take a bike and rode it for like 20 minutes to the beach I was supposed to go to. And like, I'm so lazy, man. I don't feel like I want to go. And like, I, I caught myself saying this. And like, are you retarded? <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is the how bad I talk to myself. No, yeah, no yeah, disrespect yeah. for anybody else. But like, you've been wanting to serve for like years and now you're here and you mm. have the audacity to say that you're lazy to go 20 minutes to swim, to swim, to surf. Shut your mud off and get on that bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn. But I had the pressure on me because I was only there for 10 days. Otherwise, it's I feel like it's so easy to slack off because nowadays it's, you always have something you, you're supposed to do. Yeah. Because that thing when I say you don't have time for things, you make time for things. Yeah. Ooh, I like that one. That's true. I like it. Yeah. That's how it is. You have time. You just have to... You know, make it. Yeah, you gotta prioritize and Yeah. That's that's how I motivate self help. How do you motivate self help? No, what you did with with the like I need to fucking do this. Like I have the time, I just need to make time for it. The same thing with like self help. Like I've been doing therapy for like more than half a year now. And for the first few months I was just like well at first it was like a new thing, right? So it was like, ooh, it's interesting and I'm oh wow I'm it's different and it's interesting and I'm learning things. But then after all, I was like, Oh, what if I want to go on a fucking holiday or like, what if I want to do shit? And like, I can't because I'm committed with like three times a day therapy, three times a week therapy. Right. So I'm just like, Oh, it's, it's fucking up with everything. And like, I can't go to the gym now. Like I have to either go in the mornings or go really late at night or go the other two days. It was just like complicated. But then I don't know after, after like that was summer. Right. And then, like, I don't know, a month or two ago, I was just like, well, it's helped. Like, I've I've started feeling it really fucking helped me and really changed the way I think and the processes that are going on in my head. And I'm very self-aware of, well, most things, not everything. But I'm getting there, right? And I'm just like, you know what? No, this is what I'm doing. This is, I'm making time. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, you're going to have to make your fucking calendar around me because this is important to me and I'm fucking dedicating this time. Yeah. So, but it took me, right, time to get to this point. Mm -hmm. I have one, I don't know if analogy, but I just remind, you remind me of it. And I okay. forgot it for like, I don't know how much time it was. Like, but when you're trying to, starting to do something, say, I don't know, you go to therapy, you start meditating, you, you go to yeah. the gym, whatever. I, I was thinking about it. When you have to think about it. Like you're not trying to just go to the gym. You're trying to become somebody that is going to yeah, the gym. Yeah, that's right? a so, good analogy. So it's not just fact, the fact that you have to go through. You have to go through the process to change yourself so that process is part of you. You have to become guy who goes to, goes to the gym or goes to therapy. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Zoli, would you say that you are the guy who themesbergs? <laughs> I know. Maybe. <laughs> I the mean, guy who burgs the themes. Yeah. <laughs> themes the burgs? Nah. 
Where's the team's Flammenwerfer? It werfs Flammen. Fritz, bring the Flammenwerfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's it like at uh, at Faber? So, for everyone out there, like Themesburg ha- now has an office at Faber Community, which yeah. is this awesome fucking place in Timisoara, which is a co-working space, a meeting place, a coffee shop, a industrial container turned shop place uh venue for concerts and events and everything it's a fucking cool place it's very berlin from what i've heard that's what they were going for Mm -hmm. what's it like it's awesome um i'm I'm still not very sure whether we very we we like the place because if uh, because we have an office there or whether you know the com the community itself i do know that we had alternatives for mm-hmm. our office and we actually thought about just renting our own apartment. But I said that, look, I want to be in like the center of, of y- things happening. Things happening. Yeah. yeah I mean, I that kind that. of thing like stimulates you to, um, you know, new ideas, new opportunities, networking, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I love the building itself. I think it's high quality, you know, it's, it's new. Yeah. I th- Brand fucking new. Yeah. I think that, you know, your environment, and I'm not talking necessarily just about the people. I also talk about the objects, the the light, the the size of the building, what you see. It defines your work as well. Yeah. You know? True. I mean, your surroundings. It gives you a certain state of mind. Yeah. The music, the people, you know, the discussions. Um, there's a lot of, you know, good and influential people working there, actually. Um and it's not like we're making projects together, so that's that's not what helps. But it it is the discussions that you have. You're there. You're at yeah. the what, water cooler or at the coffee shop yeah. at the ground floor, and you're just kind of like, oh, hey, what do you do? And yeah, brainstorm, and you just exchange a few words. And yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I love the place. I think architecturally, it looks good. It, you feel good in it. You've it. Yeah. It's it's not. Um, you still feel like at a workplace, which is good. You want to separate personal from work, but it's not a corporation environment at all. So it's different, <laughs> you know. It's it's, it's it's very hipster. Yeah, that's 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 good. You know, it's a maker yeah. space actually. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's a maker space. Um, yeah, I like that. And uh, they won some fucking European prize. Because what they did is they reconditioned, because that was like an old building, and they reconditioned it, and they won like a European level fucking prize of reconditioning old buildings. Or Seriously, like really? Yeah, yeah, I saw it, that they posted something about it or something like that. Mm-hmm. They won it like, because they, they had pictures that they had to go to some, I don't know, Netherlands or Belgium or some Switzerland or some shit to pick up the prize and like get, you know, like a gala and everything like, oh, congratulations. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 it was part of like a European project or some shit that they did that. I mean, it is really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. They have like vintage shops and industrial containers. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, so cool. that's that's another thing that I appreciate about the place is that it's not just about the co-working space. Mm-hmm. So there's other things happening as well. And that's something that, you know, uh, I know you feel like things are happening, things are moving, and, you know, it kind of defines you as well. Because we like to compare this space with another apartment that we would have rented. It is true that um, maybe it would have been bigger, you know? Um, We would have maybe a bit more privacy, 
and control over what we can do and we can't do. But um, we would have missed on so many other advantages, you know, the people, the things happening there, the, uh, the architecture and how things look, you know, we couldn't have done that on that level, at least for now. Um, so I think it was a good decision. Um, initially, we were a bit reserved because we said, hey, we are a tech company. We started remote. We've been doing fine for two years. You know, like, do we really need this? Um, and it was like mind-blowingly worth it. <laughs> and I'm not talking about just our mental state, which, you know, improves so much. Um, I'm talking about productivity. Like we actually finished a project in like nine days, um, which we would have normally finished in 30 days. So that's a free X uh, productivity increase. And we didn't work 16 hours a day. We worked like maybe 10. So it wasn't that bad. And that's because when we worked remote, it was like running with uh, like, you know, gauntlets on and stuff like that mm -hmm. with like, you know, um, weights on you. And now after two, year, two years, we take them off and we just run like, you know, I know Pikachu. <laughs> you run like hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we, we are there. Like before, if we had to discuss something, you know, yeah, let's have a meeting. I call you on Google Meet and we see each other. And I mean, it's different, you know, different dynamics. And here we just like, I know we're here for each other. You know, someone has an idea. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we work on that in an hour. This is like the, I don't know, the third part of the gorilla thing, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> we're just like three really good developers and designers, you know, and we know exactly what we have to do. No one has to explain anything to each other in terms of like, like yeah, how you can do that. You know, sometimes it happens, but most of the time not. So we only talk about what we have to do and how. And so things happen fast, well, and good. And the way that we kind of defined everything, you know, we put quality over quantity. That, that's why the products come out as they are, you know. And there are big companies, you know, buying stuff from us like Toyota and the nice. energy department of the U.S. So, um, and a lot of like, you know, smaller agencies from the U.S., um, Europe, Asia, Australia, like lately we've been getting a lot of... Um, you know, um, clients from Australia. Uh, we didn't even think about that. So, yeah, overall, the, the place is really great. I mm -hmm. love it. Um, everyone else loves it from our team. And uh, it was probably the best investment that we've made so far. So we initially thought that it would be a bad investment <laughs> because it didn't make sense in, uh, technically, you know, like we could, do, we could still do the same thing as we did until now. But put into practice, it's incredibly worth it. Like, I would have never thought about this. It's, it's not just, like, a bit better. It's, like, on a whole new level, you know. And we're doing things better. Um, people uh, kind of look at us differently. We don't necessarily make more money um, after one month of being there, you know. Like financially we're in the same situation but people you know say hey you guys have an office that's cool you know that's like yeah you're serious you know? yeah yeah but you're on the map yeah yeah so from my point of view things haven't changed too much but from an outside point of view change uh, things change a lot um as well i mean things changed a lot internally as well but you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, like yeah. 
the the public perception of Thingsburg has changed a lot after this, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing, and uh, yeah, we we didn't expect that. I like that. How do you get? How do you guys put your name out there? Because you said you have clients all over the fucking globe. Uh, our name. How do people know your about brand? You? Well, how do you advertise? How do you market yourselves? Oh my god. Okay, so first of all, we <laughs> if it's pay- not trade secret, if it's trade yeah, secret, no, no, then no. I'm on. <laughs> so first of all, we pay no ads. So we don't run any ads anywhere. Organic. Organic, yeah. We did some Facebook ads and some Google ads. Um, the Facebook ads worked a little bit at the Black Friday promotion, but other than that, we we said, okay, we want to stay organic. Um, you know, we have a lot of traffic coming from Google, um, a lot of direct traffic as well. So, you know, just people going to Thingsburg and stuff because uh, they like the brand, they like the products. Um, you know, there are articles about us. That's another source. Hacker News, Product Hunt, Dev2, you know, communities, mm-hmm. forums, Facebook, Twitter. I'm actually pretty um, active on Twitter. It's my main social media. Like, really? Yeah. So when I, re- when I write on Facebook, I actually write only for, like, the Romanian... Uh, public. Public, yeah. Instagram is it's personal. Um, and Twitter is public and I talk only about technical stuff, right? So that's the business part. And Facebook is a bit personal, but not so much. Like I try to keep things, you know, um, yeah, this this is our source, but like, we also have like an email list. Like we have like almost 7,000 subscribers and I, I I talk to them every two weeks. Mm -hmm. I could just write what, what's had, what, what has been happening and uh, yeah, so we also have a community in this way. We didn't have this before. You know, it's hard to build that in time. Lately, we've been on YouTube as well a bit. Hmm. I mean, I'm not doing the YouTube videos myself, but we contact other makers and creators to make something oh, yeah. about mm-hmm. our project. Sometimes we pay them, sometimes we don't. Depends on them. You know, because if it's an open source project, sometimes they do it for free, right? Um, yeah, we kind of try to be everywhere in a way, but I wouldn't say that like we are obsessed with marketing. Um, we want a really good product and then we do the marketing, right? Because if you have something very bad and you try to sell it and you show it to like a million people, you're going to piss them off. <laughs> Right. Yep. I but, vouch for that. Yeah. So you, it's better to have a good product and bad marketing because you can change the marketing. But if you have a bad product and you have good marketing, it's much harder to change the bad marketing and uh, the the bad product. Yeah. And then it's even harder to change like the perception of your product because you already showed it to the people. People already know it's shit. So even if you make it good, people yeah. still will think it's shit. Like if there's a beer, right? And it's you've tasted it, and it's like really, really bad, right? And you you see ads of it all the time. It just annoys you, and no you're amount. never gonna buy something from them because you just keep yeah. seeing that. Right? No amount of Mads Mikkelsen is gonna fix that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, another fact that the product is bad, but you're proud with the, that product, and yeah. that tells something about you. Yeah, yeah. People right? just think gonna think you're disillusioned. They're gonna go like, yeah. look at this motherfucker with that shitty product paying millions of dollars or whatever for this fucking ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is wrong with these people? Yeah. 
They invited Mads Mikkelsen? What the fuck? <laughs> what beer does he promote? I have no idea who Heineken? Mads Mikkelsen is. The guy who played Hannibal. Lecter. Carlsberg. Carlsberg? It's Carlsberg. It's I, not that good. It's just generic beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll say it. It's not that good. Who are your idols? Do you have any idols? Like Elon Musk type situation or whatever. Uh, no, I don't have idols actually. Um, I have people that you know I look up to, like you know my parents, All friends. Right. Um, I do listen to what Elon says and Bill Gates and you know influential people, just because of the fact that they have a lot of experience and they got to a point where you know they know something that I probably don't, right? But I don't have idols. Like I just try to learn things from others that are better at what they do or they've, you know, went through some things that I, I couldn't have gone through yet. Um, but I I know, I mean, I respect others. I'm not sure if that means that you have an idol or not, but no, I do not have idols. I just have, you know, friends, family, you know, people that I try to learn from. You're such a humble dude, man. Like you're not trying to be the next Elon Musk. You're just trying to be Zoli. Yeah. That's, I like, I like that. that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, had, I had another question. All right. What's the, what's the future? What does the future look like for you? What is the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, next year? For me personally or for the world? I mean, if you're, <laughs> I mean, you put it on the table. Tell yeah, me I mean, about the world. The ta- if you finger Nostradamus or whatever, go ahead by all means. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think that uh, we're going to see a lot of AI, and that's going to define us. They're going to steal our jobs. <laughs> no, I think that we're going to actually like, um, e- even though things look bad, like in terms of climate change and COVID and all that, I think that we're still in a much better place than we were like 30 years ago, I would say. So there's a lot of good things happening around us that we just don't notice at all because... Evolution happens regardless of the downfall of civilization. Yeah. And it's still evolve. It's going to be very interesting to kind of see AI make its mark in terms of like new discoveries because AI is pretty mind-blowingly... you know, both awesome and frightening, you know? Uh, Tangents I, with Colleen and Mike podcast proudly salutes our AI overlords. <laughs> so, <laughs> so look, I actually had a project, an AI project. Um, I talked with the CTO of OpenAI. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Greg. And I asked access to the new GPT-3 algorithm. Oh, I remember. That was a couple of months ago. Uh, actually, a year ago. Okay. And I I still have access to that. Um, And what I did, I mean, what that algorithm really does, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but the idea is that it uses a pretty basic AI algorithm. The difference is that it has like so much fucking data. It has a huge data set that it's been trained on. It's not just huge. It's like mind-blowingly huge. Like it's, there's no word for the amount of- Unimaginably. Yeah, and that's why it's pretty good at, you know, spitting out stuff. So what I did is that there's this code, um, you know, you have to write it to, like, you know, get, make a button on a website, right? Mm -hmm. And 
uh, it's so smart that if you kind of tell him what to do a couple of times based on what you say, so you say something like, make me a red button, and you give him the exact result that you want. Then you say something like, I want a blue button. Then I want a large button. And you, you actually code it for it, right? And you do this like 10 times. Then you just, then you code nothing anymore. You just tell him something. You say, I want an orange button saying Thingsburg. And he's going to do that. And you no longer have to code it because you just gave him a few data sets to show him what to do, show it what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's what happened. And, and I actually was very impressed of the result. And uh, I created a video about it. It's, it's not open source. Uh, I, I kept it for myself, this one. And I uh, launched it on Product Hunt. I think it was like the fourth or fifth product of the day. And people were like, oh my God, we're going to lose our jo jobs. <laughs> like, But even devs, you know, like... I was saying, okay, I actually did something that could make Thingsburg obsolete, you know, like mm -hmm. not really. Well, not really, yeah, but like it's 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 pretty interesting. So, and some other crazy shit, like some others teach this algorithm to like create lawyer text that you would normally pay tens of thousands of dollars, oh. and some others teach the algorithm to write unique content that you could post on your blog so you don't even have to write articles so like there's a lot of stuff and and this is this is something that i have access to with and and i'm not like a, a big person like I'm, I'm not a data scientist i'm not an ai scientist i just did this you know like can you imagine what's happening in the headquarters of like open ai of tesla of uh, facebook google i mean those yeah. guys have access to you know some technology that's like I know, like very, very impressive. And we're still in the early days. So yeah. I think that AI is going to define the world in a big, big way. Um, crypto, NFT, stuff like that. I think that's just, I know, it's like a fun thing mostly. And people make money out of the waves, you know, of the ups and downs. Yeah, they most serve of it, the most hype. of it feels like a fade. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it's it's like a hype. I I understand it in a way. It's I like the decentralized aspect of it. I I really like that. So for example, what happened with Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram lately? So with <laughs> well, Bitcoin, like two days that's ago. yeah yeah. So <laughs> and I I want to get into that a bit because there's like two funny things. Yeah, go for it. Um, so the thing is that when Facebook went down, everyone went to Twitter. Yes. So there were like a lot of memes and stuff, but. There, there are two very funny things that happened um, at Facebook. One of which is that the employees could not communicate because they also used yeah. WhatsApp and Messenger to, you know, talk to each other. So they were like, okay, what's happening? No one knew what was happening. And so it was very hard. They, they actually had to communicate via cellular mobile to yeah, like call guess. each other. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. And then the other thing, which is even funnier, is that when they tried, the, the software engineers, when they tried to get into like the, the, the server room, there was this authentication system, you know, which was also dependent on some other servers that were also down. So the problem was pretty big. 
it wasn't a problem with one particular server. Like it was a networking problem with all of them. They could not communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. I think they wiped themselves off the internet registry, right? That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. And they had to force the entry yeah. into the into the room. You know, yeah. like that was. So yeah, uh, I I actually thought that the crisis would go on longer because I was hoping it would. Yeah, me too. Like it was so good without Zuckerberg Facebook. lost. Well, allegedly lost seven billion dollars. No, seven million dollars. Billion. Billions. Seven, billion. Seven billions. billion dollars in like what two free yeah. hours? He lost that because the <laughs> stock went down. Yeah. But Facebook itself. So it is said that a hundred and sixty million dollars were lost in actual revenue you know nice. so not just evaluation like actual running money <laughs> just, just business that disappeared. Just was put on pause oh yeah my God. and robert and me had this talk like look facebook is is done you know <laughs> for this day hopefully <laughs> yeah whatsapp and, and so on and our business goes well and we kind of thought about all of these other people who are so dependent on facebook and instagram and yeah. And WhatsApp, um, in every way, like, you know, in personal way. And like, I, for example, kind of, uh, talk with girls and I usually talk with them via Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't have their, I don't have every girl's, uh, what, uh, phone number. So that was a problem. Yeah. And yeah. It, this was a very specific one and getting back to Bitcoin and like decentralized stuff. Like, this can't happen with Bitcoin because it is decentralized, yeah. you know? And it's, I don't think it's okay to give so much power to, like, just, you know, one organization having Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger, I mean, so many, so many stuff. And another uh, similar thing happened with, uh, you know, there's Amazon and there's servers, and a lot of companies keep their stuff at, at the... AWS. Yeah. So when we had the Black Friday promotion, um, we actually used a service, a payment processor that was dependent on Amazon. And the Amazon servers like crashed in the East Coast and the payment processor didn't work. So <laughs> every, and it was Black Friday. So it was so bad. And for like three hours, nothing worked. And like, I know 30% of the internet crashed because so many people were dependent on yeah. Amazon. So it's, it's crazy. So in, in this aspect, you know, decentralization makes a lot of sense, right? You don't want to be dependent on just, you know, you know, one. Decentralization became a huge thing when Cambridge Analytica happened. I remember because mm -hmm. that's when they had Mastodon and Scuttlebutt and all these like decentralized fucking platforms. That's when people turn to decentralized stuff, right? Because... Yeah, I'm yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm guessing they were going on for a while, but that's when like there was a huge like hashtag fuck Facebook or no Facebook or whatever mm -hmm. happened. But it's it's I don't know, man. The landscape's really interesting for that because when I was like when I was growing up, like we had MySpace and HiFi, right? And then Facebook became a thing in Romania, and it was like, oh, what's this? And I remember, like, I was avoiding. I was like, what's this fucking thing, Facebook? Mm -hmm. Like, Psh, nah, man, I got high five. I don't give a shit. And then everyone was in. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll fucking try it. Mm -hmm. And I tried it, and it was. It was just I didn't give it a second thought. It was like, all right, I'm on Facebook now, and this mm -hmm. is what's happening, and it just became normal. Yeah. And now, like, people are hooking up on Instagram. Like, everyone's fucking mom and grandma's on Facebook. Yeah. So it's just like people keep it like, oh, it's a, you know, I don't add people. It's just a family, personal, whatever. Yeah. And he was Instagram to, to shit talk or whatever, do all these things. And 
it's just interesting, man. And and and, and then like the decentralized stuff and I love Mastodon. <laughs> I'm so I'm pissed off that it's not a more popular thing. A and B, I know why it's not a more popular thing, and that's B why I hate it. It's full of furries. <laughs> it is literally full of furries. And it's like the homepage of the LGBTQA, whatever, liberal movement stuff, which is not a problem, except that a lot of them are furries. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird place. Like, it's not, I'm not shitting on it. It's not, a, it's not bad. It's just really weird. It's like 4chan, but without the, like, the racism and the hate and the shit. It's just weird. Yeah. It's a very colorful place. It's not for everyone. Sounds like a good place, the way you put it. It, it's after it, bashing on it it's weird like that's the thing it's not bad it's just weird like you, you I'll, i'll show you afterwards like you all messed up it's just it's fucking weird man like people post weird stuff on it man they post like sexual fan art of stuff there's nudes and shit and there's it's not like twitter where it's like oh like, oh it needs to be like we're checking it and we're taking shit down it's like no man like people go nuts mm -hmm. people go fucking nuts it's full of bots it's full of techie people It's just crazy. It's wild. It's like the internet used to be, right? But now it's a lot crazier because more people have access to it. Yeah. The weirdness itself increased on the internet. A lot more memes, a lot more shit. So now it's it's just weird. But it's cool because it's all decentralized. Mm -hmm. And you get like, you can deploy your own instance and then you get like the home feed of the instance as well as the large scale global instance. You have access to like everyone's fucking feed mm -hmm. and you can just tap into that or just the the one you're in yeah so like i don't know i used to go on like mastodon technology and then you, you'd see your home your home page itself would be just full of everyone on mastodon technology like however many thousand people but then you have like the public place where just everyone's fucking instance and that one was like going crazy everyone always posting like you know however fuck many hundreds of thousands <laughs> if not millions of people are on it on yeah. all the like clusters and all nodes and everything it's pretty fucking cool mm. i love the internet what do you think will it take for us to move to decentralized solutions all of these things right because the problem i see with them is you have facebook you have amazon the, the examples you put on they have all the power that they have because we gave it to them and they just took it right somebody needed to develop all that infrastructure and all that the yeah. stuff To guess, switch to a decentralized one is difficult because, first of all, you need to come up with a solution that's better, in a way. Well, it needs at to least produce money, money, right? Yeah. That's the main issue. First of all, but then people had to, to move to it. So they have to have something to convince people. If there's a big company that'll find a way to make money out of it, they can pump and funnel all the marketing that they will have done anyway to bring the people there. I don't think that's a problem. I think it's a capitalist, a capitalistic problem well, that they need to solve. Don't really have any direct competitor to facebook you well, had google plus at some point which failed i liked google plus i was sad that it failed you it actually was, use it like i used to use it i used to be a huge google fanboy back in university i, don't know, I got a, i had a chromebook <laughs> <laughs> i think that the issue with google plus when it entered the market was that it came with nothing much more different than facebook that's true you know like it was Yeah, Google, it was cool. I I also used it a little bit, but I, I felt no actual incentive to like post on Google and not on Facebook. And the other problem yeah. was that, you know, it's like was a circular problem that 
because it wasn't different, people weren't copying, coming there, so you had no content to see, you know? Well, so, you had Linus Torvalds, which he used it as his main driver mm-hmm. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. And yeah. it, I so think the only, content, you know? the only different thing was the way it handled friend lists. Because you on Facebook, you only have like your friends and that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here you had lists that you could add people and you could add the same person in multiple different lists, yeah. like groups, sort of. But when you posted, you decided on, on which, like, which people would see it. Like groups. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Something like that. Because that, that's the problem, right? Exactly what Zoli said. There was nothing much else that it had besides Facebook. And right now Facebook has everything. Like mm. everything. It has a marketplace. Why does it have a marketplace? It does. I mean, it has podcasts. Yeah. yeah today, I'm on the podcast focus group of Romania. And today, someone posted that they got their podcast. It's been going on for like, I don't know, fucking half a year now. They've been announcing like since, the, well, actually, since last year, like, like Clubhouse was a thing. And then Zoom became huge and your stock and whatever because of the pandemic. And then Facebook was like, oh, we're going to get into podcasting because podcasting became a huge thing, mm. a huge thing. And someone posted today that like, oh, look, I have podcasts. I'm like, fuck, how do I activate that? <laughs> and I went to my page for everyone out there who has a fucking podcast to listen to us. You go on your page, on your Facebook page, and then you go to settings and then just podcast. You just fucking enable it, put your feed, your XML feed, and you're done. And then apparently we have to wait like a day for it to actually become public. But... I guess we're going to have, we're going to like, instead of going to Spotify or to our homepage or to whatever, our smart link to listen to it, you could just listen to it on Facebook. That's I'll great. never use that. I'm personally I mean, speaking, either. I'm not going to podcast on Facebook about it, but I am curious about the, how it's going to work. Like it, how it had a feature of like enabling clips or some shit. So I'm guessing people can listen and like share bits of a podcast. That would be fucking cool because yeah. that is free marketing. Yeah. I don't have to fucking sit around and render videos and like listen to our stupid fucking three and a half hour long episodes or whatever and like oh, get to a funny part so I can fucking cut this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people can do that themselves and share whatever they like out of it, that that is a million dollar fucking okay, that's, business that's idea. That's a cool idea. That's yeah. a cool idea. Mm-hmm. If I can do that, but why did now that I think why did why did why did no one think about this? Like we have, you share con- videos and content on Instagram and you shit. You have YouTube already and Instagram. It also has video. Yeah, but YouTube doesn't let you do that. So if I'm like, you're a YouTube junkie, right? You watch a lot of fucking YouTube. If you watch like t- 10 videos of like half an hour on YouTube, YouTube doesn't have the social, okay, probably out of context, right? For YouTube. But like it, it doesn't offer you a feature of like, oh, I want to fucking share this on my Google plus or some shit. <laughs> Like, oh, this 10 seconds out of this video, I want to share this to my friend groups. No, it doesn't. I don't think it. You can select segments that you can, right? Because you can, if I share a video with you, you can put it to start at one minute instead of zero, zero. You can do that, but you can And you can also encapsulate, you can share it between this and this. Right, but I'm sending you the whole video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I don't know if that's what that meant, that option that I enabled. I'm going to find out tomorrow maybe, but if that is it, then that's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I view it as like uh, an opportunity for marketing, like uh, getting yeah. a new audience. So you could try it. I mean, maybe it's going to fail, maybe not. We need to start a podcast in Romanian because then if it's on Facebook, all our fucking aunts and grandmas and moms <laughs> and shit are going to go nuts on it. Yeah. 
Or I could do it for the free marketing and then just put <laughs> funnel everything here. <laughs> that could work. But also there's a cool part that they solve a problem for us because we wanted to do this. We want to have small extras that will be easier yeah. to share <laughs> across. Season three. But we have to just cut it. You have to put it in a video format because there's no way of just sharing sound. Mm. If this happens, well, that'll be cool. I mean, thank you, Zuckerberg. But I mean, it will be on Facebook. It won't be like on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But I mean, it will get there yeah. somehow. On that note, we are one hour and 50 minutes in. How do you feel about that? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Zoli, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. <clears throat> Tradition. No, no, I know. I know. Can I, can I just not thank him first and no. then do the thing? No, it's customary <laughs> to thank him last. All right. Before we end this episode, it is tradition that you get 20 seconds or more. I don't care. Or less. Or less, whatever. However long you feel to plug anything you want. Like share to the world what's going on in your life or if you want to give a shout out to something or you want people to read a book or check a link or check you out or check Themesbury out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Give a shout out into the void and all our six listeners are going to listen to this. Um, go. All right. So, you know, I've been battling with like anxiety for a long time. And there's actually a book that helped me a lot get through with it. And it's, um, it's written by Dale Carnegie. It's called How to, Stop, How to Start Living and Stop Worrying. It's one of those books that actually really did help me. So if you have problems with anxiety, I think you should, uh, you know, like uh, take a look at that. Because, you know, I've been battling with it and this, this really helped me. So, and I know that a lot of people, you know, have anxiety nowadays. Yeah, modern so, yeah. era. Yeah, so How to Start Living and Stop Worrying by Bill Carnegie. Awesome. That's cool. Shout out to... to I'll look to, to that. I'll look it up. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put, put something at the, at the end in the credits. Mm -hmm. um, well, okay. Uh, thank you, Zoli. Thank you to you. Thank you to Themesburg. Um, we're going we're gonna to give some shout outs there. We're going to put some links there. We're going to give you some traffic. Of course all, we're going to give all, it. All our six links, like six people who are going to click, who are going to listen to this, are going to go to your <laughs> website. I love those backlinks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for being here. This has been great. Very informative. Very chill. Very cool. Um, and yeah, that's it. I don't know. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. All right. Cool. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.